Welcome to the One Player Podcast, Episode 6, Experience Games, where to paraphrase, it's not whether you win or lose, it's just whether you play the game. So it's been about three weeks since the last episode I posted. I've been trying to do them every two weeks, um, but then last week I had a little bit of a problem. I decided to upgrade my account, the Podbean, the site that hosts my podcast, because I was running on a bandwidth at the month, at the end of the month, and PayPal decided to audit the transaction. In retribution, Podbean decided to lock my account. So that was that way for a week. Um, finally got it resolved uh, about two or three days ago. So that being said, you know, I think three weeks is a good amount of time between shows. It's kind of long, I think, from a listener's point of view. At least it is for other shows I listen to. But at the same time, it gives me time to actually play different games between shows. I've been finding it really hard to play games and record a show every other week. So maybe I'll, I'll shift the schedule more or less. We'll see what happens. I said three weeks is a plenty of time between shows, and guess what? I haven't prepared for this show. I'm going to wing it and see what happens. Chances are you're never going to hear this because it's not going to be that good. But you never know. You might be listening to me. This episode is about experience games. I think what I said is those are games where it's more about the experience of playing the game and the, the adventure and the story you go through during the game than it is about winning or losing. I mean, winning is still nice, but with, with these kinds of games, it's not that big a deal. These games are kind of really hard to categorize because it's sort of a made-up category. Another example of experience games would be the Mayfair games, Crayon Rail games. And I already mentioned this before, is uh, multiplayer solitaire games, because whether you have one or more players, it doesn't really change the game a whole lot that you're doing everything on your own. But with these games, it's also fun to play them, just building your rail networks and stuff, and seeing where you end up traveling to and traveling with fun. So they're fun in that way. Let's see. What are some of the characteristics characteristics of experience games? Um, I think, like like I said, you're going to have a, a story you're going to build over time. That could be from your character exploring and fighting monsters and finding treasure. Or it could be from building a rail network and traveling to different cities with your trains. But the point is, you're going to have a a nice sense of narrative from your play. Another characteristic you might find is character building, such as with the dungeon crawlers you'll find the weapons and you'll level up and make your character stronger. And that allows you to go on and fight bigger monsters. So let's think about the dungeon crawlers. In that category there's a few types of dungeon crawlers, not all of them will work for solitaire, but some will. The ones that don't work specifically are the ones that have a dungeon master involved that's controlling the monsters and knows information about the adventure that the players aren't supposed to know until they discover it. That's just really hard to do solitaire. Still get a, a sense of surprise and discovery as you're playing. In the next category, the players are all working together to defeat the dungeon. In this style of game, you can control one or more characters to play. If you control one, it's generally going to be harder because you're not going to be as well-rounded. A lot of these dungeon crawlers, you'll have like a cleric, and a 
fighter and a mage and a thief, and they're each really good at one thing. And the dungeons are designed to take a group in. So if you're going by yourself, if you're going by yourself, you're just going to find your, you don't have all the skills needed. So it's usually better to take in a whole party. The third category of dungeon crawler is uh, the game where all the players are trying to win by being the one who kills the head monster or finds the treasure or what have you. Those work well solitaire because one player alone can usually just do it by himself and he will find the treasure. There's not a lot of challenge in being the first to do it, but you still get that sense of story. With those, a lot of times there's a variant in which you're playing against time. So you have to get to the boss before you run out of time or you lose the game. And that's what it's supposed to simulate playing against other people trying to beat them to the end. It works okay. Again, the important thing is the story, and that's definitely there. A lot of these games also have uh, expansions that are new adventures or monsters, new character abilities, and that sort of thing. So they tend to be very well expanded, and that will give you more replayability. I should also say, not all these dungeon crawlers are going to be crawling around in dungeons. Um, I think it also includes things like Arkham Horror, where you're in the city of Arkham trying to keep evil horrors away. Or Arabian Nights, in which you do go into dungeons, but you're also traveling all over the world. Some games have forest adventures, some you are in dungeons. The important thing here is fighting monsters, finding items, and advancing your character. Okay, I'm going to mention a, a few dungeon crawlers. Some of these may or may not work. You might want to research them a little bit because I don't necessarily know a lot about all of them. First up is Talisman. That's a game where everybody's racing to get to the center to defeat the evil overlord or dragon. I don't remember which one. That one would work if you add a timer, but by default it doesn't have a, a solitaire scenario. It's a little different because the board is has a track in which you go around. Reminds me of Monopoly, which is an outer track with spaces, but then there's also an inner track that you could go that's harder, and then the innermost track. There's a couple different editions of Talisman. I think the cheapest and most easily accessible is the fourth edition, the latest one published by Fantasy Flight. There's also Runebound, that's also published by Fantasy Flight. Again, here players are competing to to win the game and defeat the evil overlord. This game has a whole lot of expansion, so that'll be really good that way. And I know there definitely is a scenario to play solitaire, or a variant, not a scenario. So this should, this one should have a lot of replayability, a lot more than Talisman. It also looks nice because you're playing on a map instead of a Monopoly board. The different expansions include New characters, and new adventures, and new boards, all sorts of things. Another one is Prophecy. I don't know anything about that. It's described as Talisman Done Right. Mind you, I'm reading from a geek list here called Adventure Board Games. Oh, I don't know anything about that one, so I can't really say if it'll work or not. Next up is Return of the Heroes. That's a game that's infamous for a really bad rulebook. I doubt it. Could be that bad until I actually saw it, and then yeah, it really, 
is painful to read and hard to figure out what it is what the game's about. It works okay, solitaire. It's not bad. There's an official solitaire scenario, but then you can go ahead and change the border on and play any way you want and do it solitaire. And it should be just as fun. I've only played this one once and keep meaning to get it out again. And will someday. There's also a few expansions for it, including um. Holy shoot, what's the next one called? In the Shadow of the Dragon, I think, or something like that. Under the Shadow of the Dragon. That's right here in that geek list in front of me. And that adds more tiles and more characters. So it should add more variability. There's also a few other expansions, but those are German only, and I believe are small expansions that just have uh, some monsters and maybe characters. Next up, and I think the first non-fantasy one is Arkham Horror, which is a Lovecraftian horror game. Lots of expansions for this one. Uh, this again is published by Fantasy Flight. Lots of expansions based on different stories by H.P. Lovecraft. A lot, a lot of cards in this game. A lot of equipment and monsters and things to fight. Works really well solitaire. I've played it probably three or four times solitaire. The I've always gone in with one character. It's really hard. You'll probably die and not win. Still ends up being fun. People suggest playing with more characters. I tend not to like using that many characters. I tend to prefer using one character so that I'm basically role playing it. Especially with Arkham Horror. And I don't mind losing so much. Not in this game. Next up is Dungeon Quest. I don't know much about this one, but it is listed as 1 to 4, I think. Magic Realm, an old game by Avalon Hill. It is a monster role playing like game. I don't know a whole lot about it. We need to find it. Pretty expensive though, so if you don't already have it, you probably want to avoid it. I do remember seeing uh, a version for the computer some years ago. I don't remember the graphics being very good. But I don't remember if they're taken from the game or not. So you might want to go out and look for that. It was a free PC version. Another game, I believe also by Avalon Hill, is called The Sorcerer's Cave, which it says here it is a earlier version of a magic realm and it says in the rules it says it's multiplayer solitaire so that's a great example of something that would work um, next is adventure of D there's also island of D and I think there's a few others these are a print and play game in which you're using cards to explore the land and go into dungeons and fight monsters it's a lot like talisman using cards instead of a board it plays fast, it's fun, and the art's not bad. It's print and play and it's free. And that's it. I don't, I can't think of any others offhand. It is late at night. My brain is already asleep. Okay, here's some other games that are probably experienced games, though I don't necessarily know for sure. First up is Age of Exploration, published by, published by Timjin Games, not of print. It's a game where you're discovering the new world. Actually, I do, I have played this one. I do know it's a good experience game. It's a lot of fun, and I don't think I've ever succeeded in it, but you go and discover the new world, and you can choose where to go, and that affects what natives you'll find, and what treasure and loot you might find to be able to take back home. A lot of fun. Ambush probably fits in this category. I haven't played it yet. I have it. Just haven't gotten around to it. But then also fits in other categories, probably like storytelling games. 
see, I already said Arkham Horror. A uh, neat one is Astro Novice Merchant Advanced. It is a print and play game that you could buy from Wargames Download or RPG Now or that family of websites. It's about ten dollars. It is a space exploration, not exploration, it's a space trading game where you're traveling planets, buying and selling stuff. Light game, it lasts I think about a half hour to play the game. And it's fun. Blackbeard by Avalon Hills, another one I think would meet the category, but I don't know. I haven't played this one either. Uh, it was also republished by GMT. That one should be easier to find. But I think the price isn't going to be that different. The Avalon Hill might be a little cheaper. Some people like the Avalon Hill better, some like the GMT better. I think the Avalon Hill version is more fiddly and it's more old school. You're traveling on a hex map. The newer version uses regions, the art looks nicer, probably uh, plays a little more smoothly. I think that's it for now. From here we're going to go on to the next segment which is a review of Outdoor Survival. This is definitely an experience game. You're not playing to win. You're playing for the fun of watching your little person wander around aimlessly in the forest, slowly die of thirst and hunger, and, and start over. It's great. So as I said, today's game is Outdoor Survival. It was originally published in 1972 by Avon Hill and design, designed by Jim Dunnigan. If you know anything about this game, you're probably thinking, why in the world am I talking about this one today? A lot of people really hate Outdoor Survival, mostly because it's not a great game. It die fast, it's hard, there's not much to it at all. That being said, I like it. I think it's fun. Just because of all those reasons, you die fast, it's grim, and it's just corny as heck. Let me tell you a little more about it. This game is famous because it was a, in some of the early rules of Dungeons & Dragons, it was included in the recommended items list. It suggested buying that game so you could use the map from Outdoor Survival for D&D. It's a real neat map, it's worth looking at, um, Board Game Geek, just to check it out. I've seen different stories about why it was designed, including uh, it was a challenge that the designer told uh, somebody else that he could come up with a game based on any subject. Apparently it also was published at the request of Stackpole Books, which underwrote the development cost, or part of the development cost. It was also uh, Avalon Hill's best-selling game, probably in part because it was available in uh, National Park gift shops. Nowadays it's not too hard to find at a thrift store or quite easy on eBay. You can find the game on eBay for between, say, 5 and $20. There are plenty of copies available, so with patience you can get a good deal. So what this game brings, the, let's see, the box, it's a, it's a nice box. There's a picture of a tree in the foreground. In the background, there's a lot of wilderness ending in snow-covered peaks. It's a bookshelf-sized box. It's about 8.5 by 11 and inch and a half or two deep. Inside, there's the board, which comes in three separate parts that you put next to each other to make a large map. There's enough counters for four people to play, probably about a hundred counters. There's a die, there's some scenario cards, and player charts which help you keep track of your health, or lack thereof. There's really only one scenario that's decent for solitaire play, and that's the first one. In that one, you start in the center space, and your goal is to get to the edge of the board. Each turn you roll die, if you roll low, I think a one or two, 
you have to take off in random direction. Your movement is limited by your current health level and the terrain. If you roll in the mid ranges, maybe a let's say a four and a five, then you can choose which direction you move in, but you're gonna have to go in a straight line. And if you roll a five or six, then you could choose which direction you go in, and at some point during your move after your first base, you can turn once. At the end of your turn, you're gonna lose one health and one thirst point, I guess, unless you are in a, a space that provides food or water. As you lose health and energy from not eating or drinking, you get weaker and weaker, and the distance you can move goes down. When you start, you can move six spaces. Then you go down to five, four, three, two, and one. By the third turn, you're starting to slow down. And after that, pretty much every turn, you're going to quickly find you're going to be able to travel less distance unless you get lucky and end up in a watering hole or find some food. And there really is a lot of luck involved in that. Most games I've played, I never make it to the edge of the map. And the the guy dies. You know, it takes five or ten minutes to get there, though, so it's not so bad. You know, just put the counter in the middle again and try another time and pick a direction or get in a ran- random direction see where you go. The reason this works in part is because it's short. If the game were long or protracted, it would really... Yeah, I would hate it too. But because it's a short game, you know, you could bear it and you're... You're playing, you're watching your guy getting close to that watering hole so you could drink. Hopefully survive to the edge and all of a sudden you find you have to move in a random direction, head directly opposite the watering hole. It's kind of frustrating and the next thing you know, you can only move two spaces and the next turn one space and then you're dead. It's pretty dramatic. In the rulebook, they even suggest making your own scenarios. I think they even have an example of one. It's not that hard to do. I have seen on Board Game Geek, there's some scenarios about off-road racing. I think there's a zombie scenario. That sounds neat. I haven't looked at it yet. Some of those might be multiplayer. I don't know. Uh, I once came up with a scenario where you're playing D.B. Cooper trying to get away after you parachuted. That's interesting just because it's topical right now. I heard in the news the other day that they might have a lead on his identity 30 years after he disappeared. So in this scenario, you're D.B. Cooper and there's a search plane looking for you and it moves around also sort of randomly. And if it spots you, you're caught. This is this is actually kind of fun because you're trying to get away and suddenly the plane turns and starts heading straight for you and that could get a little scary. So you'll find yourself trying to run in a direction that's going to get you in trouble but keep you away from the plane. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but it ends up being pretty exciting. So that's the game. There's not much to say about it. If you get it cheap, it's definitely worth it. I wouldn't pay more than, say, 15 or 20 bucks for it, I think. Just to promote a little bit, though, I'm going to have a little bit of a a bounty. Anybody that comes up with a solitaire scenario, upload it on Board Game Geek, and send me a geek mail or an email, and I will give you a 5 geek gold reward for it. And if we have enough entries, let's say 1, I'll have a contest. And whoever has the best scenario will win something, maybe. Okay, so I'll give you four weeks to come up with a scenario and upload it to Board Game Geek. Then around the beginning of September, I'll decide who wins. Alright, that's it for Outdoor Survival. Let's go ahead and end the show. Well, that's the end of today's episode. 
If you would like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected by a Creative Commons license. The song and copyright information can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published in a Creative Commons, non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening.